Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. Of course, your official radio home of Chicago Cubs baseball. The guys are on from 5:30 to 10 each morning, and I'm always joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, hope you had a great Labor Day. Yeah, it was enjoyable, uh, much better than the weekend the Cubs had. Uh, you could follow me at Crawley's Cubs on Twitter. You could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FlyTheW670. You can follow us on Facebook at FlyTheW, and you can email us at FlyTheW670 at gmail.com. So this is season one. It is episode number 30, and we're calling this one St. Louis Suckage. And Crowley, it was suckage. I think both you and I had uh, the Cubs winning one game. Unfortunately, they won none of the games. Game one, Adrian Sampson, Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery, again, seems to have the Cubs number. You know, this is I didn't have a lot of faith in this game right here. I said to myself, okay, I, I don't see Sampson beating Montgomery. He's been so good. And, you know, top of the first, starts out good. Magical and Suzuki both single. You got Cubs at the corners, no outs. Ramiel Reyes hits in the fielder's choice. And this was a tough one. Uh, Magical got thrown out at home. It was a great play by Arenado. Takes it on a short hop. He's kind of leaning off balance. Not the greatest base running by Magical, I thought. Um, you know, it was one of those plays where you, Ron Coomer talked about it on 670, the score. You know, if you're the runner, you're aiming towards the glove. So if the third baseman hits you, you're safe, right? Right, right. And so it was one of those things. And the other thing is I think he should have tagged more on the outside of the bag. And so it was a great, uh, great tag, great throw, and and that was it. Uh, you still had though, uh, you know, you still had Suzuki going to second, Reyes at first, but then happened Horner's strikeout to end the threat. So not the greatest start. And then right away, the the Cardinals start in the bottom of the first. You got one out. Samson has back to back walks to Brandon Donovan and Paul Goldschmidt. Arenado grounds out the runner that advances, and then Tyler O'Neill will single, and the St. Louis is up early. Two nothing, so not the greatest yeah, start there. Those walks will get you every time. Walks will just absolutely kill you, especially against a team like the Cardinals. And when we talked about the infamous Adrian Sampson inning, this time it was the first inning. It, it, he only gave up two runs, but he threw close to forty, if not forty, pitches that first inning. But he didn't give up any more runs for the start, so we'll get to that a little bit later. Top of the third, Morel walks magical with a bunt single. Suzuki grounds into a force out, so Magical's out at second. You got runners at the corner, Morell at third, and Magical and uh, Suzuki at first. Half grounds into a double play. So this is just a game where a lot of opportunities, the Cubs just don't take advantage of them. Bottom yep. of the sixth, Javier Assad's on the mound in, in for relief from Sampson. Tyler O'Neill singles, steals second, and then scores on a Corey Dickerson single, and the Cubs trail 3 nothing. You get to the top of the seventh. Cubs trying to make some noise again. P.J. Higgins and Jan Gomes single. Runners at the corner again with no outs. Uh, Jordan Montgomery's done, so not a complete game this time, but Jordan Hicks is in. He strikes out the next three batters. McKinstry, Magical, and Suzuki to end the threat. And every time this game, every time they end a threat, the Cardinals come back to score. Bottom of the seventh. 
Sean Newcomb. Oh, God. Sean Newcomb. I don't know you know what to say. <laughs> uh, not here, We've seen we... enough. We've seen enough. We've seen I'm enough. Done. I'm I'm tapping out with Sean Newcomb, man. Yadier Molina walks. Edmund flies out. Lars Newtbar. There he is. He homers. St. Louis now leads 5 nothing. Not, not not content. Ross leaves him in for another inning. Bottom of the eighth. Sean Newcomb still on the mound. He gets Tyler O'Neill to ground out. He walks Ben DeLucio. Strikes out Paul DeYoung. But then Molina, uh, Yadier Molina singles. Tommy Edmund homers. And the Cubs take an 8-0 lead. And that will be... The final, Adrian Sampson, again, bad first inning, but he goes five innings pitch, gives a four hits, two runs, two walks, four Ks. So, again, out of a, a fifth starter, you'll take that every time. Right. You would. Absolutely. You take that every time. Listen, you're not going to win many games, Crowley, when you don't score a run. So it's pretty pretty simple math on this one. Yep, and Newcomb gave up five runs and two innings of work. The offense had no runs, as you mentioned, seven hits, eight left on base, Oh for nine with runners in scoring position, Magical and Suzuki, two for four. So on the Cardinals side, you had Jordan Montgomery going six innings pitch, seven hits, two walks, four Ks. So he didn't look as indestructible as usual, but they just couldn't play the runs when they counted. He's right. had three, Montgomery's had three scoreless starts versus the Cubs. 16 Ks, two walks, 22 innings pitched. The offense for the Cardinals, Eight runs on nine hits. So the Cubs, you know, they, they had seven hits. The Cardinals had two more, but it's an eight-nothing game, right? They had left six on base, but four for eight with runners in scoring position. O'Neill two for four with two RBI. Molina two for three. Yeah, and obviously the long ball, the long ball's what got them. They're using Newcomb and, and they're in this thing where they're looking for guys to throw two innings. I, I would think after the first inning is no damn good Crowley. It, it's time to take him out. Not that they were going to win this game, but I don't know that Newcomb's learning anything in this situation. But I, again, th- this is just, you're almost at the surrender point at this. Like, okay, fine. All right, I'm not gonna. It, it, let's put it this way, Crowley. It definitely didn't ruin my Friday night. I, I wasn't letting it ruin my weekend. Sean Newcomb was not that gonna happen to me. No. <laughs> well, we get to game two, and this is the one that I kind of, if I was a betting man, this is where I was laying my money. I had Drew mm-hmm. Smiley. I thought, you know, such a good August versus Adam Wainwright. Well, I think the Cubs, you know, obviously Wainwright's not the Wainwright of old, but he's still a pretty darn good pitcher. But I thought that the Cubs had a good chance. Uh, top of the first, one out. Suzuki reaches on a ball that deflects off of Wainwright. Hep singles, Reyes singles. Suzuki scores, and Hep moves on to second, and the Cubs are up one nothing early. Corner grounds into a force out. Reyes out at second, so you got runners at the corner. Corner will steal second, which proves important because Rafael Ortega singles. Hep and Horner score. Cubs lead 3 nothing. I'm all happy. Everything's good. That lasts only a couple minutes because the bottom of the first <laughs> one out. A Tyler minutes. O'Neill walks and Paul Goldschmidt homers and the Cubs lead is cut to three to two. There's Mr. Goldschmidt again and it and just continues to terrorize the Cubs. I mean, he, let's be honest. He he has a he has an opportunity to get the triple crown. You know what I mean? So this is it's not just the Cubs, but this guy is just absolutely on having a year here. Uh you know, what can you do? You could walk him, but then you have Arenado right there who's having a great year. You got all sorts of guys. This, you know, Brendan Donovan's having a hell of a season. It's, and, and again, these are nobody guys that you don't think of, but they, they produce. That's all I can tell you, you know? They always seem to produce, and especially against the Cubs. Bottom third, Tommy Edmund homers, and the game's tied at three. 
Then Tyler O'Neill back to back jacks, and now the Cubs trail four to three. Goldschmidt singles, Arenado walks, Pujols flies out, Dylan Carlson walks. If the base is loaded, one out. Jeremiah Estrada in to replace Smiley. Yadier Molina, someone get a get the P test going on this guy. He doubles, <laughs> clears the bases. Cubs trail seven to three. Not only that, Yadier Molina just wipes it in the Cubs' face, steals third base. Come on, second steal. Well, of the I think season. he's. I think he's feeling like, hey, this is my last series against these guys. I'm really gonna. I'm really gonna make sure they don't forget about me. Oh God, Paul DeYoung walks. Lars Newpart with a sack fly. St. Louis Molina scores and St. Louis increases their lead to eight to three. You get to the top of the fifth, half doubles and Fran Mil Reyes singles. That makes it eight four, and that's all the action that'll happen in that game. It really is the bottom of the third killed the Cubs as they lose eight to four. Yeah, not a great outing overall by Smiley in this one. We I would agree with you, Crowley. I, I expected much better than what we got. Smiley only goes 2.1. He gives up five hits, seven runs. So the ones that uh, Assad gave up were charged to Smiley. Three walks, three Ks, three home runs. The Cubs offense, four runs on 10 hits, six left on base, three for nine with runners in scoring position. Not the worst game in the world offensively. Suzuki, two for four. Hap, two for three. Ortega, two for three. Gomes, two for four. The trouble is that one bad inning for the Cubs. The Cardinals had Wainwright. He pit, went 5.1 innings pitch, gave up nine hits, four runs, four earned runs, two walks, two Ks. The offense had eight runs on nine hits. So the Cubs out hit the Cardinals, but they lost by double the score. You know, that seven men left on base. They were only one for seven with runners in scoring position. But again, the long ball. Three home three runs. Home two, home, two home runs in the first game, three home runs in the second game. Yep, Goldschmidt two for four. He had the home run with two RBIs. Molina two for four. That big bases clearing double was the was the backbreaker. And the Cubs never did anything against the Cardinals bullpen. And so now you're down two nothing. Game three, Sunday afternoon. Marcus Stroman out there against the Cardinals, hoping for good things for him. And he uh, didn't disappoint in Marcus Stroman. He had a real nice outing. Absolutely. And and and, that, and when we talked about our predictions, it's why I didn't predict Stroman to win because he's there's certain pitchers that just stink against certain teams. And and the Cardinals have Stroman's number prior to the game. They were batting a 15 ERA against Stroman. It's kind of like Kyle Hendricks with the Atlanta Braves. For whatever reason, he just struggles against them. But hey, Stroman had a day, but so did Miles Michaelis. You had a pitching duel, scoreless game until the eighth inning. Brandon Hughes comes in, um, and he gets the first out, but then Tommy Edmond doubles, and then old Albert Pujols. He has been raking against left-handed pitching. He's in to pitch for Lars Newtbar, the old man in his last at-bat versus the Chicago Cubs. It's a home run to left center, and that is the score, the final score, 2-0 Cardinals sweep. Stroman, as we said, Brilliant. Seven innings pitched, four hits, zero runs, zero walks, five Ks. The offense, not good. Zero runs, two hits, two left on base, 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. The Cardinals, eight, in, you know, Michaelis, eight innings pitched, two hits, zero runs, one walk, three Ks. Edmund went two for three, Tommy Edmund. Pujols, though, that pinch hit home run was his 59th career homer against the Cubs, second most against any team he had 62 against the 
Houston Astros. Remember, they used to be in the NL Central, right? Um, you know, before moving to the AL, and that was home run six ninety five. So Albert Pujols, five runs from history, and we're coming down to the final three weeks of the season. You know, look, I don't want to sit here and wax poetically about the career of Albert Albert Pujols, but what do you think, Dustin? Six ninety five. Does he have five more home runs in him? I, I sure hope so. I, I think it'd be good for baseball. I think it'd be a good good story. And now that he's he can't do any more damage against the Cubs, but he's done plenty, obviously, as you just pointed out, those great stats. 59th career home run, sitting on 695 now. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think he plays two out of every three games. And I think when they're – they've pretty much got the division wrapped up right now. And I think why wouldn't you play him, especially every home game? Right. And, and like I said, you can give some of the, you know, you, you pretty much got this clinch. Milwaukee's fading fast. And you, you just got to ask yourself at this point in time, you know, will we ever see another player get 700 home runs? It's one of those milestones that it just, it, it seems more and more difficult, especially in this era when, when you see pitchers doing what they're doing. Obviously, not I wonder if, I wonder, Crowley, if we get to 600, right? I mean, it's just 700. We might not see another guy get 600 at this rate. Yeah, and and so it just, to me, it was just fitting that the last time the Cubs ever play the Cardinals, who are the real big heroes of it? It's Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols. Because of, of those two guys, they they win game two because of the two-run double by uh, Molina, and they win game three, or three-run double by Molina, and they win game three with the two-run home run by Pujols. So if you want to talk about baseball being a poetic game, there's nothing more poetic than going out like this versus those two guys. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 1, Episode 30, St. Louis Suckage as the Cubs were swept out of St. Louis. With me now on Fly the W, we have a return guest, play-by-play announcer for your South Bend Chicago Cubs, Brendan King. How are you, buddy? Crowley, thanks for having me. It's great to be on again, and it's even more fun to be talking to you after a division title winner. So excited for some more playoff baseball in South Bend. That's, to me, the fun thing right now is because we've had you and Max and Cole. I see you got your uh, ice cold shirt on Uh We've, we've had Tyler Schlafer on, we've had, you know, Porter Hodge, we've had so many, and uh, I got to throw out that first pitch out in, in April. So it's kind of like, I've been, you know, just because of location, it's been so easy for me to kind of like follow what you guys are doing. And and it's such a fun team. This is your first time uh, calling some postseason baseball. Is that right? For the, for the South Bend Cubs? Second time, which is fun. I was on the call for the 2019 championship winner, and that was a special squad coached by Buddy Bailey and, you know, the likes of Brennan Davis and Cole Roeder, Andy Weber, Nelson Velasquez was on that team, you know, Riley Thompson. Uh, the names just flash back at you there now at either double AA, A, triple A, or even some in the big leagues. So, you know, a guy like Brandon Hughes was in that South Bend Cubs bullpen at the time. So that 2019 championship was fun, and then I wasn't around last year, but now, you know, possibly another ring so let's so bk what you're saying is you're the good luck charm <laughs> well uh i could at least get us to the playoffs i'll tell you that what the, the guys do everything into the playoffs but we can carry them inside well so so you know the first half young team kind of getting getting their feet underneath them what happens in the second half that you saw that kind of just started this run that they've been on that's just been kind of unbelievable to watch 
domination at home is the first thing that comes to mind, Crawley, because the South Bend Cubs have the best home record in the Midwest League. They're going to finish this year, regular season-wise, with 44 wins at home. 44. That's at least five, six more than anybody else. So I think what Lance Rimmel's team did well is they took care of business at home. Look, playing road baseball in you know the big leagues or the minor leagues, it's tough, especially with minor league travel sometimes. So if you can take care of business at home, win every series you can at four wins field, then split series on the road and go three and three in these odd six game series. I mean, it's been interesting to adjust those for sure. But I think a total buy in from the guys as well. You could look back at post game interviews with South Bend Cubs players as early as June and July. Guys like Fabian Fertuz and Luis Verdugo were talking about, I want to go to the playoffs. I want to compete for a championship. And, you know, Pertuz and Verdugo are still around from the opening day roster. Pinango, Casey, um, PCA coming in. It's just been a total buy-in from a lot of young guys that have developed into pretty solid high-A ball players. So the future for them is exciting, but absolutely the present. This is going to be a fun next couple of weeks. What blows my mind is that, you know, you think about all the pitching that got moved up to yeah. uh, Tennessee, but then you also – you know, had all infusion of talent also come in for you guys that, that kind of let you keep going the way you were. Look, when you lose Jordan Wicks and DJ hers on the same day, those transactions were on the same day. We were in Peoria. Wixie struck out a career high 10. I think DJ's last start in South Bend was four or five scoreless innings in Peoria. And then the next day they're on their way up to double A Tennessee, which they absolutely deserve. But you're kind of looking at each other saying, okay, there's one and two in the rotation. They're gone. Thankfully, though, you mentioned a couple names at the top of this, Crawley. Porter Hodge and Luis Devers and others have come into this rotation and really have shined. I mean, Luis Devers, who very well could be the Chicago Cubs minor league pitcher of the year, his earned run average at high A, it's still under one. And the crazy part, Crawley, he's had five, excuse me, four consecutive starts now of at least five innings, one run allowed. And each start, his ERA has gone up. That's how good he's been. He's going to five innings of one-run baseball each of the last month, and his ERA climbs. So Devers and Hodge and guys that have stuck around, you mentioned Cole Franklin. Daniel Palencia has been a beast. So the early season arms are now along with the guys that came up at the midway point, and they're gelling well. So great rotation. The back end of the bullpen has been strong too. And probably we talk a lot of we talk a lot about it, Max and I, in the postseason ball, if you want a championship, of course you need timely hitting. Of course, you need your starting rotation to be solid, but you need the back end of the bullpen to throw strikes and come in and lock things down. The Cubs have gotten all of that. And, and, and so it was it was a race at the end between you guys and Beloit. And yeah. I remember there, there was a big series and, and, you know, the South Bend, again, like you said, at home, taking care of business. And so take me back to Saturday a couple of days ago. The, the South Bend Cubs have a chance to clinch. What ends up happening that night? Yeah, Crawley, it, uh, it was a great night. And even though the Cubs lose that ball game, it was a final of two to one. They competed well uh, because the Quad Cities River Bandits defeated the Beloit Skycarp. The Cubs punched their ticket to the postseason, as you just alluded to. That was all set up because not only did South Bend take five of six from Beloit a few weeks ago at Four Winds Field, South Bend lost on Tuesday of that series. That was game one. And they rattled off five straight wins. It was a great Sunday victory as well. And what we are now calling the Opitz game because Casey Opitz homered twice, uh, each from the right side of the plate. He played a tremendous first base. He actually saved a run on an unbelievable 
running catch towards the sidewall, first base side. He Willie Mays style caught it, spun around, threw home, got the guy at home for a double play along with the two bombs. So that was an unbelievable way to end the series. You take five of six from Beloit. At the start of that series, the Sky Carp were within a couple games. Uh, it was viable that at the end of that series, uh, the Cubs could have been in second place in the division. That didn't happen. Take care of business at home, like you said. And then this week, you win the first four against the Lansing Lugnuts, uh, the Oakland A's affiliate that was already out of it when they came in. But credit them. They challenged the Cubs. Each of the first four games of the series were two runs or less settled by. And then there was a wild 10-8 uh, game that the Cubs fell in. Um, but, hey, you know, again, you get some help from the Quad Cities River Band as they beat Beloit. You punch your ticket. Everybody's happy and you're spraying champagne. Yeah, last time I talked to your partner, Max, uh, you know, in talking how the postseason is kind of funky the way that it kind of works. It's the winners of the first half and the second half. And so as, as far as it goes with, with the South Bend Cubs, their regular season's still not over, and the team they still have to face, they're going to be facing in, in, in the first round of the postseason. Tell me about that team. Yeah, starting tomorrow, the Cedar Rapids Colonels. The Cubs will head to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to take on the Colonels for six. Then there's an off day after the last game of the regular season. The Cubs will head home, another off day, and then um, you will have game one against Cedar Rapids on September 13th at 7.05 p.m. at Four Winds Field. So, Crawley, each series of the Midwest League postseason, there could be two series. There's the division round and there's the championship round, which is a little bit different because in 2019, for example, there were eight teams in the playoffs. There were two wildcard teams. That's how actually South Bend got into the playoffs in 19. We were the wildcard team in the second half, just kind of grazed in, then went on that unbelievable 7-0 run to clinch the playoffs. So different this year, you get a division champion but it is a bit odd only having four teams in there. But look, uh, each series is going to be three games, and the Cubs have what I think is home field advantage. Now, it's defined as home field advantage for Cedar Rapids because they get games two and three at home. But I think it's so crucial to have game one at home. If you win the first game in your ballpark, you take all that momentum back to wherever you're going. In 19... The Cubs had game one at home against Bowling Green in the first round. Won it, went there, swept them. The Cubs had game one against Great Lakes in the East Division champion at home. Won it, went there, beat them. And then in the championship, it was a best of five series, but the Cubs won game one at home and then went and won two in Clinton. So having that first game at home is crucial, and the Cubs have that this year. But it will be interesting that, as you said, we might have nine straight games against the same club. That's the Colonels of Cedar Rapids, who are the Minnesota Twins affiliate. Now, I got to ask you, have you heard at all or, you know, about potential? I mean, I keep thinking like, boy, how do you how do you slot this rotation as far as starting? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, has there been any word about who's going to get the ball first or, or is it just going to kind of continue with the same rotation the way it's been? I think this week will dictate it for sure. Um, Daniel Palencia did not start this past week. Um, against the Lansing Lugnuts. It wasn't due to the injury or anything like that. It was just due to, you know, get them a little break, get ready for the playoffs. Palencia throws 102 plus, and, uh, you know, it'd be nice to have that be even more for the postseason. So Palencia did not start yesterday. So that could shake things up a little bit for the playoffs. We'll see when uh, Danny goes this week against Cedar Rapids. It's expected that he'll make his last regular season start. And then once you get into the postseason, Crawley, 
this is all just hypothetical by me. I, I think it'd be very difficult not to give the ball to Luis Devers in game one of that playoff series, just with how fantastic he's been, the consistency of those five inning starts, giving up a run or less. Devers is a guy who was the Chicago Cubs minor league pitcher of the month for May. And as mentioned, I think he's going to win the Chicago Cubs minor league pitcher of the year award with what he has done. He doesn't throw overly hard, 94, 95, which again, it doesn't touch a hundred, but in today's game, 94, 95 is kind of average, but he has this sink to his fastball that deceptively pairs with an unbelievable vanishing changeup and then just a wicked slider. It's a great three pitch mix. I think all South Bend Cubs starters over the last few weeks have shown the ability to mix their pitches well. Cole Franklin has figured it out. Valencia is throwing 94 mile an hour sliders. I mean, have you ever heard of that? And, uh, <laughs> you know, De- Devers is money with that sinking fastball. And then you add Luke Little from Myrtle Beach as well. So it's an exciting Cubs rotation. And to answer your question, uh, Lance Rimel will have his hands full with picking that playoff rotation. He's got a wealth of arms. I don't know who's it going to be. But again, if I'm making the decisions, I give the ball to Devers game one. Yeah, he really can't go wrong here. Now, not only has the Cubs had just absolutely unbelievable luck at home, they've had unbelievable luck on Marquee Network. Now, <laughs> how many how many more games you guys got on Marquee at least? Well, I hope that we might be able to get a Marquee game for the postseason. That's not determined yet, but we have wrapped up our regular season slate. Nearly went undefeated last night. We're on Marquee. Cubs fell two to one. Uh, but Carly, that's going to wrap up an eight and one regular season on Marquee. Four walk-offs, unbelievable moments. There was a walk-off bomb from Pablo Allendo. There was a walk-off double from Kevin Mate on a Sunday afternoon. There was a walk-off air. I mean, you got a little bit of everything on Marquis. So I think it's exciting that Cubs fans can watch the future of the organization on television. And for me, it's special because my parents get to tune in, my grandparents and everybody around the Chicagoland area. So it's not just cool for Max and I, us both being Chicago kids, but it's cool to share what is coming at Wrigley with, you know, the Cubs community. Now, now I got to ask who, who, who picks, who gets to do the on-field interviews because <laughs> you know, those Gatorade showers <laughs> seem to be coming pretty, pretty intense, you know, and, and it's not just one bucket of Gatorade I'm seeing, I'm seeing two, three sometimes coming out there who determines who goes down there and, and, and how does that all work out there? Yeah. So Max and I switch on that every homestand. So uh, partly because just to get everybody some reps, but also to give us time to do laundry. I mean, the amount of laundry <laughs> crawling that I have done this summer, it's not even, I go home four days, every homestand to do laundry because my, my clothes are covered in just purple Gatorade and water and it gets <laughs> sticky. Uh, but no, it's one of the most fun things. That's all headlined by Pablo Aliendo, uh, Gabriel Harmio and Daniel Palencia. Palencia is the mastermind behind all that. He started doing that crap. In April, where he's throwing ice cold water up, people are like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? This is it. We didn't even walk off." And, but and then it just came to a point where he started doing it every game, and it's just become a part of every post game interview. And Crawley, when you win forty four games at home, that's a lot of laundry to do. So that's a lot of Gatorade showers. But the guys love it. They get into it, and uh, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll gladly take my clothes being wet after a, a fun win. I, I got to tell you too, is that both of you, you and Max, both all of a sudden, the thing that like blows my mind is that both of you, your hair still looks great. You're, you're, <laughs> not, you're, you're not, you're nice and calm. 
Like if it was me and I was getting drenched in Gatorade, I'd look like a drowned rat, but you guys keep your composure. You look good. You get the, and it's funny too, because the player who gets the Gatorade, you guys get a lot of the collateral damage and the spillage that yes. comes over here. But, but everyone, all of a sudden, like when, when you're ready, then boom, you do the interview. It's great. And it, I've absolutely kind of just loved seeing it. Just, you could tell how much fun, not, you know, everybody could, you know, I've seen some pictures of the guys after they wanted you know, previous pictures of them in the dugout from uh, at South Bend Cubs, you know, mm -hmm. pictures, uh, you know, you guys uh, after the post doing the post game and stuff like that. It just looks like everybody's having fun. Everybody's in, obviously winning is going to do that. But it also just seems like the team just truly, truly likes each other. You know what I mean? I don't know if I've been around a more cohesive 30 uh, in a dugout. That 2019 team was special and there were some terrific personalities, but I don't know if 30 for 30 as in every player on the roster was as close as this team is. This is a team where uh, you can take a random guy from the bullpen. You can take a random guy from the outfield, you pair them together and they work magic on an interview. And, and again, I, I've had, I've been around some unbelievable teams, my Cape Cod league team in 2016, every single person broadcaster player, whatever was 21 years old in college. I mean, that was a <laughs> blast. Um, you know, I was in Boise, my first professional season had a blast with that team. Uh, my first South Bend team in 2018, guys like Miguel Amaya and Brandon Hughes and others, a great personalities. And then 19, Brennan Davis, Cole Roeder, others. But man, like you get the talent here. You know about it, Crowley, the outfield, Pinango, PCA, Casey, Wogu, Sierra. The list goes on and on. Not only are they excellent ball players, they're great human beings. And by the way, I, I don't think you see many number one overall prospects for an organization participating in Gatorade dumps. PCA loves doing it. Actually, PCA got me really good uh, a couple Sundays ago because I was with Casey Opitz after that Opitz game that was aforementioned. Uh, Casey Opitz was, he grabbed me. He was like hugging me. He goes, you're not going anywhere. I was like, all right. So we both just took a massive Gatorade cooler. And then PCA comes over. He gives me a mini Gatorade of all blue. And it's just all over and sticky. <laughs> and so, yeah, great team. We have a lot of fun and top to bottom. I mean, you know Chris Hagstrom well, my boss, executive producer of South Bend Cubs baseball, assistant general manager. Chris's team does unbelievable work, and uh, I'm blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, and I, I got to meet Andrew Berlin and talk to him a little bit out for the Field of Dreams game, mm -hmm. and you mentioned Chris. And it truly is, in my opinion, one of the best organizations that at least I've, I've had the privilege of kind of talking to and seeing what's going on. And, and I really, really hope – you know, you never, you know, it's weird because you talk about minor leagues as, as development. That's the focus, but you can't help but to want to win, especially a team like this, to, to root for them and then to want them to go all the way and get another championship. I still got the replica ring from the last time and all, all the, all the good fun that you guys had. It's, it's, that's, that's just, we're, you know, just so many likable guys that you can pull for, you know what I mean? And, and I don't know what the, I mean, you're there all the time in South Bend. I mean, the community has to just be in love with these guys. Yeah, and credit to the Cubs front office, South Bend Cubs front office, who have done a great job of marketing the team, selling tickets, packing the house every night. I mean, we're averaging five, 6,000 here this week. And remember, as you get into late August and early September, that's when the kids go back to school. And, you know, family nights are kind of waning until winter break or Thanksgiving break or whatever. So, Credit to the South Bend community, the South Bend Cubs front office for packing the yard. I think you could go up to any guy on the roster and ask them, hey, I mean, is there a distinct home field advantage here because of the environment that is created? And they'll say, yeah. 
I think he could go up too to a couple guys in the big leagues right now. Jeremiah Estrada started the year with South Bend. Nick Padilla started the year with South Bend. Uh, you know, Brandon Hughes, as mentioned, spent two summers in South Bend. Uh, you can ask any of those guys uh, about the environment of South Bend Cubs baseball and getting to play their A ball um, in a town like this and um, in front of great fans and a solid production. I, I know they'll rave about it because they're all terrific dudes too. And uh, like you said about the playoffs, Crawley, it's an opportunity for Lance Rimmel, Cubs manager, really the development side in the playoffs, you can start pinch hitting for guys. You can start using your bullpen like a big league bullpen. You can throw guys a third of an inning, two thirds of an inning. You can go lefty lefty matchup if you want. And that was the fun part about 19 when we had Buddy Bailey as our manager. Uh, Buddy is masterful in the strategic thinking of the game. And he was laying down safety squeezes in the third <laughs> inning. And, uh, you know, it's so it, it's exciting and, um, yeah, it's going to be shorter than 19 because each series is only three games, but that's just even more reason to get out to South Bend and catch the guys and try and see them grab another ring. Now you talk about packed houses. I, as a memory, as a memorabilia collector, everybody was jacked up when Kerry came to South Bend yeah. and I heard it was packed. And I heard that Kerry was absolutely wonderful with the fans that showed up to South Bend. And as someone who grew up in the Chicagoland area, as like yourself and Max, that had to have been awesome to see Kerry, you know, out there and interacting with the fans as well. Fabulous. He got to the park at about six o'clock for his VIP meet and greet. That was sold before the game. It was at the performance center, as you know, which is in right field. And then after all the VIPs came through, got their pictures and autographs and conversations, uh, Kerry went out to go sign for the general public. It was in the left center field area where that landing, um, you know, patio games are. And I, not joking, Crawley, the line to meet Kerry Wood among the general public, it stretched from left center to the right field foul pole. It, it was loaded. And I can say with fullest confidence by the seventh, eighth inning, Kerry was still there. And that line finally finished up. He signed every autograph and I think everybody had a good time. Now I got, a, I got a question. Do you know if maybe he had a chance to talk to any of the young players or was that opportunity not really there for him? He threw out a first pitch, and uh, Michael McAveen caught the first pitch. And Mac is a late-inning reliever, Indianapolis kid out of Louisville. And Kerry, uh, uh, credit him, because he threw the first pitch without, like, any warm-up warm or anything. So he got out there, and he fired a high fastball. And Mac went up, caught it, brought it down, framed it. And uh, apparently – uh, apparently Carrie went up to Mac and said, Hey, thanks for catching that. And he said, no problem. <laughs> so uh, the short interaction there, but I, I think anytime you have a big leaguer around South Bend, uh, the guys try and digest as much as possible. I know Jody Davis, when he was in town earlier this year, we were lucky enough to have him in the booth and Jody went down to the clubhouse to chat with the guys. And what's funny is Lance Rimmel, our manager, when Jody was managing in the red system, Lance was a Cubs minor league farmhand and Jody coached against Lance. And now they're close because Jody still uh, advises with the Cub organization. So there's a relationship there. And Lance had Jody come in, talk with the guys, give some advice. So that's pretty cool. I love that stuff, man. And like I said, uh, for all, for me, and I know for a lot of Cub fans, we're, we're excited to see this postseason because it's the only postseason baseball Cub fans are going to get, but, but, you know, you're taking a look at, three of possibly three of the four affiliates being right. in the postseason, you know, Myrtle beach won the first half, you guys won the second half and, and, and Tennessee still in it. So fingers crossed, man, this is just going to look really good for the entire Cubs organization. I agree. And we had a conversation with uh, Jim Callis from 
MLB Network and Marquee Sports Network and MLB Pipeline. And Jim broke the news on our airwaves that the Cubs farm system is now ranked as the 10th overall system in all of baseball. So, Carly, I think that can only continue to rise once you get Cade Horton throwing in the organization, once you see Jackson Ferris start throwing in the organization and all the draft picks from this year. I think everybody agrees that Jed had a great draft and as did the Cubs organization. So, uh, you know, it's a little different for us in South Bend now because we were typically seeing the prior year's draft picks in South Bend the next year, because when short season Eugene was around the same year picks would go to Eugene, spend the summer there. And then many of them would begin the next season in South Bend. Not the case anymore because short season is gone and you might see guys in the Arizona complex league and then start at Myrtle beach. They might stay at MB for an entire year before they hit South Bend. But uh, yeah, loaded roster. I'm excited to see a lot of Myrtle Beach guys in South Bend next year. James Chirantos comes to mind, Kevin Alcantara and others. And uh, I, from top to bottom, Crawley, it is a special time in the organization. And you look at a guy, just for example, like Matt Mervis and what he has done this year, starting at South Bend, hitting 350, going to Tennessee, hitting 300. Now in the you know high twos at AAA, and he's barking at the tree, Crawley. I mean – the Cubs have a really interesting decision to make with Matt Mervis with about a month to go in the regular season. Credit to Merv. He's put in the work. Uh, he's a guy that plays with a chip on his shoulder. He thought he should have been drafted in that 2020 shortened draft, which was only five rounds. He wasn't. And I remember talking with Justin Stone, the Cubs director of hitting in the booth in South Bend. This was about three months ago. And, and Stone mentioned that the Cubs were literally crossing their fingers and, and hoping that Mervis wouldn't get drafted and then they could sign him. That's exactly what happened. And look what has happened in the organization now. That's like I said, the future is bright for cub fans and I, I appreciate you BK jumping on and I will be paying attention closely and wishing you max the team, Chris, everybody, just all the success in the world. And hopefully the next time I talk to you, we're talking about a championship. Thanks Crawley. Can't wait to get those ring sizes again. Let's do it. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. Guys are on Monday through Friday, 5.30 to 10, on your radio home for Chicago Cubs baseball. That, of course, is 670 to score as always. I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, we got the Reds in town coming up on Tuesday, and they'll play again on Wednesday, and they'll play again on Thursday. So a three-game set against those Reds from Cincinnati. Yeah, when you take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, they are in fourth place, 53-79 and 79 in the NL Central. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They're on a one-game winning streak. They are chasing the Cubs in third place in the division, who are 56-78, and 2-8 and eight in their last 10 on a three-game losing streak. Man, has it turned. Remember, we were, we were close, the Cubs were close to having six games you know, series in a row, and now all of a sudden the wheels have fallen off so quickly. It's an and this is where and this is where Crowley, I think it gets really interesting. Okay, because it's going the direction it is going. Do we now not want them to win another series? Like, don't get swept, but not win another series. Pile up two losses out of three to help ensure a better draft spot. Yeah, you know that it's a good question to ask. Where the Cubs sit right now, they pick eighth. If they can lose a little bit more, come on, guys, try to lose a little harder. You know, you're when you get into spots one through five, obviously one, but like you want to kind of try to maybe get a better draft pick because if 
if you are to take the Cubs for their word, they're they're planning on spending this offseason. They're planning on making some moves. So, you know, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, toes crossed, the Cubs aren't this bad in a very long, long, long time again. But, yeah, you know, like they're, they're really – you know, uh, we, we had on Greg Hughes last time, and he talked about how it used to be that once you got to Labor Day, you were able to have the 40-man roster, and you were able to call all these guys up and see all these players, right? Well, they changed that in the last CBA. So now the roster expands from 25 to 28. So you have three more spots. It's not like you're going to be seeing all these players coming up anymore like you used to. in the old. You remember in the old days – like the entire, you had you couldn't even fit everybody. Oh, yeah, you there. couldn't like, move them in the dugout, right? It was so packed. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. And so they don't have that anymore. So, I, I, you know, when we talked about it in the last episode with Greg, you know, it, it, it is a little bit better because, you know, it makes the games move and, and, and you don't have, like, teams kind of tanking. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're trying to keep the integrity of the game somewhat. Um, so I think it's interesting because if, if the Cubs have a bad series, well, then, you know, Cincinnati gets in front of them and, and the Cubs are in a much better position to draft. So I don't know. We, we were looking here at this situation, and we only have one set of starter for the Cubs for certain. That is for the game one at 640. We have Wade Miley making his triumphant debut to Chicago. Yeah, Man, I did not a- see that coming. I did not <laughs> I did not think we'd see Wade Miley back. I mean, good for him, I guess, right? I mean, at this point, it's too late for him to be of any value to the Cubs except eating some innings, hopefully, on uh, Monday night. Well, Tuesday night, that's been Tuesday night. I will be at the game, so I'm excited about that. You know, I'm ba- back at Wrigley. Uh, but, uh, you know, um, it, it's hard for me because I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, they just – they needed this guy in the worst possible way and just – you know, just hasn't been there, hasn't stayed healthy, and and there's nothing else you can do about it. So, you know, he's going to come in, and the and the Reds are a much different team now. They basically completely sold everything that wasn't bolted. I mean, they sold everything as the season started. They sold everything else, you know, other than a bucket of balls, you know, at, at, at the trade deadline. And so pretty much every, every guy they have is gone. Joey Votto, I think, is doing play-by-play for their – you know, right. Reds, he's out. Right. And so, and so it's kind of like, okay, we're going to see a lot of guys that the Cubs don't really have experience against. You're seeing their young guys come in. The first guy that they're going to see is Justin Dunn. He's a righty. He's 26. He was uh, round one. Uh, he was a first round pick of the New York Mets. And so, you know, we're going to take a look and see what happens, but uh, the Cubs really don't have experience against you know done so it's going to be uh tricky you know not not a lot of experience they've seen him you know bits and pieces but nobody on the cubs has more than two at bats against him right so no, no book no book on him that's for sure yeah no book and again this is this is the tough part this is where the fan in you versus you know, the heart straight okay is it smarter to root for them to lose or do you want them to win and the reds stink so it, this is this is that this is trying it's hard and, and, and what's bad is how bad the Reds stink. It's hard to think that the Cubs can outbeat them. I mean, you have Aristides Aquino, who always seems to do good against the Cubs. But, like, some of these names, like Stuart Fairchild, eh? Kyle Farmer, Jake Fraley, TJ Friedel, Jonathan India, you know, we know Jonathan India, Chuckle Robinson, Austin Romine, who was with the Cubs last year, Nick yeah. Senzel, 
Donovan Solano. I mean, you know, it's kind of like that old major league movie. Like, who are these? They are guys? not. Uh, they are not household names. That's for sure. No, and so you know, you, you look. There's part of you that's saying there's no way that the Cubs can lose to this Reds team. At the same time, you almost want them to, but then you don't want them to because you're like, how the hell did you lose to these bums? Right. Now, the game that I find most interesting is game number two. Right now, it looks like Javier Assad will be starting for the Cubs, and that's one where you think, okay, let's see what this kid's got, right? It, it, it's a be, you know, a couple starts in now, and, and I would like to see him do well. Yeah, you know, another another piece that you're kind of taking a look at, you know, he's a, another young kid. He's a 25-year-old, and, you know, he had the, uh, the, the couple starts. He had to start against St. Louis where, you know, Looked really good. Four innings, didn't give up any runs. He had to start against Toronto, went five innings, gave up four hits, didn't give any runs. Um, he, that St. Louis, that was the first time he didn't start. He only pitched the one innings. He gave up two hits and one run. He had two strikeouts. But, uh, you know, he, he's an interesting, you know, someone to take a look at and see if, you know, he has a, any potential for next season. But uh, I, I hope that I hope that he gets to pitch. I just wish that I got to see him because I'd rather see him than Wade Miley because right. So I don't see Wade Miley coming it back next year at all. Speaking of seeing, do you think uh, Javier's got a new set of glasses uh, for that game? You know, I, I, what I wish is I wish he had the, uh, what do you call it? You remember, uh, again, I'm talking about uh, Major League, when Wild Thing had the skulls yes. on the black glasses. I mean, that's right. that's, what, that's what we need. We need some some flair on the glasses. Make them look or since they're scary. playing the Reds, or since they're playing the Reds, Crawley, we could go a little Chris Sabo style, like the Rex Specs, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you think about those things or like the flip glasses and what's happened to some of that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, advancements are pretty crazy. All right, game number three is going to be an afternoon affair on Thursday. Rumor has it that I'm going to be at that game for a little while at least, and uh, maybe Adrian Sampson can uh, pick it up a little bit. Maybe he won't have that bad inning that he has been coming known for. Yeah, you know, it, again, you know, we're not like freaking out a little bit because it was one inning, but he threw a ton of pitches. I always get scared when you see when you see a pitcher get up to 30 pitches in an inning. That, that makes you nervous. And he had 40 in that first inning, but then he settled down. So the hope is, is that Adrian can, you know, avoid that bad inning again, looking through here. He, he struggled against St. Louis a little while back. I was at that game, 3.1 innings. He gave up eight hits, five earned runs against Milwaukee. He didn't last long 3.1. That was the, that weird when they pulled him out to see if they can get extra pitcher for the Toronto series. He gave up five hits and one run. And then against St. Louis, five innings pitch, four hits, two earned runs. So we'll see what he does. He's taking on Luis Sessa, who's 30 years old. So he's kind of been around a little bit. His last three starts, you know, haven't been horrible, but he really kind of hasn't started a lot of games. Um, but last time out, he went against Colorado. He went five innings pitch, gave up four hits, two earned runs, two walks, and four Ks. So um, I'm not I'm not really too worried about him. He's he's kind of a journeyman, you know, kind of been around. He was with the AL for most of his career with the Yankees. So, you know, here with Cincinnati and 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 trying to kind of make a name for himself. Uh he was acquired uh for a trade for Justin Wilson and a pitcher to be named later in 2021. So he like I said, just a guy that that spent a lot of time with the Yankees but never really did much. So the Cubs don't have a lot of experience against him either, which again, it's something that we keep kind of <laughs> keep saying. So I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen in this one. 
No, no clue. All right, well, speaking of what's going to happen, it's prediction time, Crowley. We've got uh, three games against the Reds coming up Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Thursday's a uh, afternoon tilt. So I will start, and I'm going to say that they're most likely going to win two out of three, but it, I, I only want them to win one out of three. And I hate that I'm saying that, but just based on what we're saying about let's go for a top five pick. Let's go get a top five pick, Cubs. So in order to do that, you're going to have to drop series. But like you said, it's going to be very hard, the, just the competitiveness of this team, to not go out there and beat these Reds. I mean, they are I mean, they are a bunch of guys that are like, who? So very difficult. I'm going to say two out of three, but I'm hoping for one out of three. Oh, boy. Yeah, and, and the other thing that's tough is, is that we are looking at these these pitch these you know, these pitching where we're assuming that it's going to be Assad and assuming it's going to be Samson. Boy, uh, you know, it's tough. I'll I'll go with the Cubs winning one out of three. I just think that they are really struggling right now. Um, And one of the things, Dustin, that scares me a little bit is Nico Horner. Nico Horner has absolutely been scuffling lately. And, you know, in the last seven days, his batting average is point. Oh, five, three. That's so, not good. <laughs> no, this is a guy that, you know, basically the only player doing any worse is David Bodie, and he just hasn't had any at-bats. So uh, every single other position player has been doing better over the last week. Even P.J. Higgins is batting 100. So it's it's tough because I'm taking a look at, say, a Suzuki has been doing good, Jan Gomes, Rafael Ortega. But most of the team has really been struggling. Fran Meal, uh, Nick Magical. So they're just kind of in this big collective slump. Alfonso Rivas, we, have, we don't know when Patrick Wisdom is getting back from the finger injury. Uh, Nelson Velasquez hitting 167. So, you know, Horner was a guy that when we were talking, we're like, should have been an all-star. And based on the numbers, I thought that before. And I've thought that, you know, for a long time. He's always managed to work his way out of these slumps. But this one right now has, has gotten me a little bit nervous. So I, I'm, I'm, that's what has me nervous. Is you get, you know how they say hitting can be contagious, and just right now the Cubs just other than say a Suzuki, there's no one up there that I'm sitting there being like, yeah, I have confidence that, that we're going to score some runs. I don't know. Yeah, the offense seems broke again. Well, Crowley, that's a wrap. This is season one, episode thirty. St. Louis suckage as the Cubs went down to St. Louis on the Labor Day weekend and got swept out of St. Louis and in a big, big way. So the Reds come into town. We'll be back with you after that Red series. And then the Giants invade Wrigley Field. So we'll be back to preview that one with you. Crowley, have a great week, and uh, enjoy the game on Tuesday night. Yeah, if you bump into Dustin or I at the games, we will be there Tuesday and Thursday. Say hello. Tell us how much you love the podcast. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FlyTheW670. Also on Facebook, FlyTheW. And you can email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Go Cubs. Go Cubs.